a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Renthal on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,500 podcasts delivered with over 15 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. As always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast with Tommy Searle, uh, legendary MXGP rider, of course, and all-around good bloke. Uh, happy to have him on the show today. Flyracing.com, please check him out. The Formula Helmet is absolutely amazing, whether it's the the lightweight, whether it's the three different protective systems it has, whether it's the the quiet, how quiet it is, whatever it is that fits perfect. It's just an amazing helmet from the folks at Fly Racing. So please check out the Formula Helmet. They also have a Formula CC helmet out too. Same great safety features, just a little bit less uh, money as a, the shell is a little bit different, a little bit heavier, not much though. Flyracing.com for more information on that. Please check them out. The Formula Helmet, I love it. It's maybe, seriously, it's maybe their best product they have. They have a lot of great products. The Formula Helmet might be the best thing they have. So please check that out. Uh, I want to thank the folks at Maxxis Tires as well, MXSTs, developed by McGrath, A-Ray, Rod Bell, Smith, using them this past summer. Great mountain bike tires, great UTV tires, light truck tires, Maxxis.com for more information on that. The MXSTs are something that they developed uh, about a year ago or so, and they're very, very good. They're, uh, they're entry into a high-end motocross tire, so please check that out. Renthal as well. Grab Life by the Bars. More titles. Renthal has more titles than the, all the other competitors combined. It's pretty crazy. And when you talk about Renthal, you talk about the UK because that's where they were founded. And that's Tommy Searle from the UK on this podcast. So it all ties together with Renthal and Tommy Searle and the UK in this podcast. So Renthal.com. Please check those guys out. Thank you for listening. Uh, thanks to Tommy for doing this. Hope you enjoy it. Here's Tommy Searle. And now, as promised, on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, all the way from the UK, a guy that I've, uh, I've known over the years, always been great to deal with and uh, admired his career from afar, it's Tommy Searle. What's up, man? How are you? Hello, mate. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm all good. Yeah, really good. Just chilling. Obviously, not a lot going on at the minute, but um, yeah. happy to be on the show. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And we were just talking before we uh, hit record. And yeah, unfortunately, Dean Wilson's wedding, one of your good mates, uh, uh, couldn't make it over. Coronavirus, of course. But that would have been fun to go to. Wilson's, but Wilson, yeah, he's no, married now. Been really fun. Can't believe he's married. It's strange. We're all getting so old. I think that's the problem. Yeah, but, maybe. Um, <laughs> that's it, right? To think of Dean being married, it's quite funny. But I would have loved to come to his um, bachelor party or stag do, and then yeah, he obviously had the wedding, which um, I see pictures from, and he was moaning a couple of days. I think still now he still feels a bit hangover. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think so. But I would have loved to be out there because obviously with everything going on here as well, seeing all that going on out there, it's. Um, yeah, it would be a lot better out there than it is back here in a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what's going on with you these days? What's happening? Obviously, you've taken a step back from the MXGP series. Uh, um, and, you know, last few years you've been hurt hurt a lot. We'll get into that. But what's been going on with you? 
so I raced now for the British Championship mm-hmm. Honda team, which is Dave Forbes team. Yep. Um, which I, I'm enjoying, really enjoying at the minute. Obviously, it was a shortened season this year with the virus and that, but we've done a couple of races and yeah, we just made the best of it really. But happy to be racing in England really because I still love racing. Mm-hmm. Um, I still love riding my bike and going just having days at the track with friends and stuff in the summer. Um, so I don't really want to stop, but it was difficult for me to carry on racing GPs. So or Not difficult, but it didn't really weigh up with the position I was in. I wasn't winning races or even on the podium. Um, yep. So it made life quite difficult to, to get a deal, which was worth it. And um, But I was happy to step back. I'm, I'm happy with my decision now as well. I think I made the right one, um, seeing everything the way it's gone this year as well. And Right. Yeah, so I have no regrets on that and um, enjoying my time just racing in England, yeah. What, uh, what, okay, so obviously you've raced on the world stage for, for the longest time, and I'm sure you went in and did some British championships here and there when you, when, when you needed to or when you wanted to or whatever, yeah. but when you're, when you're doing a local series, you know, for your country, uh, and, I, and I equate this to the Canadian guys, you know what I mean? I'm from, I'm from Canada, and I, those guys come down here, and, you know, let's say that's equal to the MXGP series, and then they go back home. Um, yeah. Is it? Is it tough to be totally motivated? Like, do you do you work as hard as you did when you know you were a Red Bull KTM rider or one of the top MX two riders or whatever? Is it is it hard for you to get up for these for these races? Uh, a little bit different, really. Yeah. Uh, obviously, when I'm racing the full GP series, um, not uh, not when I was fighting for a championship, I never really raced the British Championship. I do the odd round that mm-hmm. sort of worked, and I thought I use that to prepare. Right. Um, but it was never a focus also because I never raced for, or a lot of my career I was either riding for a French team or mm-hmm. the factory KTM team, um, the French Kawasaki team. And then it was the Carly KTM team. So their, their, their priority wasn't the British championship and neither was mine right. um, at that time. But I used to really enjoy doing the odd race. And then I raced for Steve Dixon um, and he's, it just made sense because I was trying to make my money up as such. So Katie, uh, Kawasaki UK was like, let's race the British Championship um, and tie that in. But it's quite tough to race the British and the GPs now. We've, right. I think it's 20 GPs um, and then eight British Championships. So it's a long year. It's hard to stay um, just injury-free, not motivated or anything, but yeah. just being injury-free for all those races is tough, really. Um, yeah, when you, started, when you started in the GPs, there were probably, what, 12 then? <laughs> 14? Yeah, right? I think 14, yeah, yeah 14. Yeah. I remember it used to start April. Right. Um, yeah, and just yeah, just fourteen, twelve to fourteen, and which was, I, I mean, I don't mind either way, but just having the British Championship on top of those races is a lot now for anyone. Right. So when you do you them just now, do it yeah, just fighting for a championship. But so when you do them now, not, how is it for you? Like, are you? Are I really you, enjoy yep. it. Um, I, this year is obviously different, so it's hard to judge. But we actually have quite a lot of races next um, next year because there's two championships. There's like an MX Nationals, and then there's a British Championship, like the official british so we'll race i think we have eight races at one and six of the six of the other so it's a few races still but it's not i don't train as hard um as i once did like normally now i would do a lot you know mm-hmm. for the GP yeah. both training but i sort of tick over more enjoy the training a lot more rather than putting in like three hour bicycle rides in the cold and right, um, right. things like that now it's a little bit more relaxed our races are only 25 plus a lap um, and then it's just two one-day events, you know what I mean? Yep, no, just yep. two races, one-day events. So right. it's not – the tracks don't get half as physically demanding. So I still like to be fit just 
simply because I don't want to risk having an injury or hurt mm-hmm. myself because I'm half arsing it. Right, you know? right. So I still take it serious and um, do my best just because it makes my life easier at a weekend and if I'm fit and I'm, I ride a lot. So I don't want to be in that position where I think, oh, I'm not going to try and then get to a race, finding it hard because I'm not working and then making yeah. a mistake and hurting myself because I've not put um, not put my best foot forward, really. So I do work hard, but it's not quite the same load as um, MXGP. Right. I would think so. Is the money okay? Can you can you, can you you get by? Can you do all with, with Dave and the team and, and, and purse money and whatever else? Yeah, I think... I think we're lucky in the UK that we do have a series, sort of like Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of other places in the world um, or countries, you couldn't really make money just racing the, the national championship. But we're quite lucky in England that you can you can do all right. You can make a bit of living. You can make a living from it. Um, I mean, no. maybe not in five years' time. I might not be able to, but yeah. currently I can. Sort yeah. of thing. Um, and I think it's similar to similar to Canada or you could probably make more money in Canada to be fair than the British championship. But yeah, um, I think, I think a top end guy, I think series. a top end guy in Canada can pull in 150, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that's you'd try. I don't make that from racing the British championship, but yep. um, you can do good. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, from me stepping down, still being not high profile, but still having a little bit of a name, I yep. can still pull in a bit of money at this time. And, and um, I enjoy doing it. So, Mm-hmm. I'm actually really happy at this time with the team and my position. Yeah, so for you, I mean, we're going to go a little bit more in detail, but uh, the MX1 stuff never worked for you. You got injured a lot. Nah. You had some results here and there, but could never quite stay healthy. And obviously, I don't think a, a return to the MXGP is in your future. Are you are you happy with everything? Are, are you, is there a little bit? I mean, you, you said you're at peace with your decision and all that to go back home and race, but is it a little? You know, are you are you totally satisfied with what? What, how you did how you did over the years and certainly like look ninety nine percent of racers would give uh, their left arm to have your results but for a guy like you you're probably like ah man I left something on the table <laughs> yeah it's difficult because I feel like I tr- I'd done everything like I tried um, I changed things up I switched teams mm-hmm. um, I sort of forget a couple of things when I went to MX one I was obviously um, I rode I was doing well in MX two racing against Jeffrey that year yep. I missed it from the championship to him, but I think I won seven rounds and he won eight rounds that year. So I did well. Um, so a lot of the teams were interested in me. And instead of signing um, at the time, I had a, I could have sort of rode for any of the teams, right. really. Yeah. But I had really interest, a lot of interest from Honda and the factory Kawasaki team and the factory Honda team. And at the time, it was Bobrashev and Nagel. Or no, maybe uh, Rui yeah it sounds about right and um wasn't like high profile team though it was a year where the bikes were like white and green if you remember Mm um and then i but they were saying okay we're going to make a big push like we want to have a good rider well not like they wasn't good but we want to we want to put you on the bike and i sort of i was so happy on cls at that time um was really confident i sort of had a 450 that i was practicing on at home pretty stock really and i thought i love this kawasaki bike like right with team Fuck! I can. I just thought oh, I can win. I can fight on this bike in that championship. I like, I have no doubt about it. So, and then the CLS team at the time wasn't factory, but they had, they matched any offer I sort of had. Yep. Um, and was really keen pushing. I just thought, yeah, I'm going to stay here. And that was sort of my, um, a little bit of regret because I should have either gone to the factory Kawasaki team mm-hmm. or um, 
the factory Honda team just right. because things sort of fell apart from the CLS team with management and um, some of the staff. It, it got a little bit messy there and some lost motivation. So it just was more difficult than I thought. Yeah. Um, and also, I just felt like I could have done with that sort of backing. But I still, I still had some good races and I still... Um, yeah, worked hard. That first year was not too bad, to be fair. I had a couple. Of, I missed the podium overall, but I had, I think, four or five third place races and a couple of three, four finishes, mm-hmm. fourth overall. Um, and again, then I had an offer from the factory team again for Kawasaki, and I, sh- I almost went there. It was almost done, and then the CLS team and the factory team had a bit of an argument again, and that fell through. So <laughs> yeah, it was sort of like almost again. And then I signed for KTM. Um, with the Carly and that was going well and then sort of I just injury stuck and then after that it was sort of a downhill spiral really. right um, um yeah tried hard but just kept coming up short and hurt myself again I think when when you look at and even over here when you look at hey we're going to be supported by the factory or hey we're, we are on the factory team there's a big difference right there's oh, always big, that big, big difference, difference. And, and and yeah you're getting some factory parts and you're getting some technical help from the factory, and that's great, and that's a good team. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to riding for the ultimate, just the factory team, it's hard to hard to say no to that. But you did. Yeah, <laughs> it is difficult. I thought, yeah, I did. I was silly because everyone almost advised me. Jamie Dobb was my manager at the time, and he was he was like, "Look, Honda, you, you don't want to pass up on this." And yeah. I don't know why, really. I was a bit maybe a bit naive, thinking I could just jump on that 450 on the team I was with. Right. And, um, and just go race because they they drove the bike over the test and then I had my just an old Kawasaki 450 that I had there pretty beat up that I just rode all the time and it was sort of like comfortable just practice bike and I thought I could just jump on that any day and just rip on it which I could at the time yeah on a practice track right but I should have put a little bit more um or I don't know it's just one of those things but that's the one thing I really would have changed whether it made a difference um I don't know but right. if I could change I would have I would do that, but um, yeah, there's a big difference, I think, from the from the factory team. I think more so now on moving from that stage. I think at one time, Paul Sell was on the CLS team and he mm-hmm. was winning on the stage. Yeah, yeah, true. Pretty much right. standard bike, and that, but then I think the team sort of stepped up um, more and more, or he was just really special and could win on anything. That, that was that, probably the case. That's probably more the case. Was yeah. just was Christophe Porcel, right? Yeah. Um, my buddy Lewis might get mad at me for not knowing this and, and being more up to date on it, but what's the state of the uh, of the British motocross stuff right now? I know for for a number of years there was two series and 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 there was fi- like following it from afar. It looked like there was a in- lot of infighting and lots of support of one series and the other. Like, are we all unified now over there? How's it going? Yeah, it's a little bit strange. Um, there's a couple, There's two main series now, which is the MX Nationals and the British Championship, and they. Um, a guy's took over now he manages the British he's took over the, the British Championship mm-hmm. which is a promoter now which I guess is what we've needed for the last few years because the the competition's good and the riders are good that do it like this year we had Bob Rochev Jake Nichols who's, who goes really well yeah. um, Brent Van Donick Harry Cullis who rides oh, well oh Cullis didn't, didn't even know um, he was over there yeah, yeah yeah so we have a few good name riders but the um, I mean there was no spectators this year yeah, because of COVID, but it didn't make much difference because there was that few like the year before that you wouldn't really notice the difference. But now um, the ACU have employed or gave the series to a promoter, mm-hmm. uh, Ray Hockey, who 
promotes the Western Beach Race series and other series. Um, and obviously, he wants to push it because he wants to make money, right? Which is ultimately what you need. I'm not sure how the Canadian Championship works if it's owned by the Federation or no, uh, no, it's it's privately owned. Which is which, and, yeah. and when it did that, it went that way years ago, and it went for the better for sure. Yeah, so that's what we need now, and I think it'd be a big step in the right direction because, like, there's money about in the British. I mean, the riders get paid, uh, a few of them at least, and then Honda put in a big, big effort with our team. Okay. Um, and it's very important for them to win. I mean, Dave Fort puts in, together a really good team. We have right. close in the team, and he's, you know, he takes it serious. It's not like he's just um, messing about with it. He, he employs the riders to do a good job. So um, hopefully this year, with that new bloke running it, we can have a, um, he can reboost it a little bit and then mm-hmm. uh, make a big step forward for the future. Well, yeah, that's that's actually some pretty good names like Kulis and Bobrashev and Jake Nichols, yourself, uh, um, Donick. That's good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Dylan, Dylan, um, Dylan Walsh, he's Walsh? racing it now. Yeah. Um, it's not about Sean Simpson, sorry. He went there this year, but he races it. Yep. Um, it's a good series. Yeah, it's not easy. Elliot Banks Brown, there's good names, but yeah. just um, it's not big anywhere else other than Britain, but mm-hmm. a few of the t- people take it serious. It's. Um, it's quite nice. It's good with the big names. Now I'm solely racing that championship because it makes it a little bit more um, prestigious. You know what I mean? Right. It's not um, makes it better. If it was just like two riders in it, you'd think, ah, oh, it's, it's nothing. But with a few better names mm-hmm. and some um, foreign riders in it, makes it more. Yeah, it makes it a little bit better. I think. Right. Um, Thorpe's just a legend. Just I did a podcast with him years ago. Really nice guy. Um, is he still number one on the UK all-time rider ranking list? I mean, you got yourself, you yeah, got Jamie, not, um, you got Thorpe, Nickel. It's got to be Thorpe, I right? I think. Um, I don't know if he's num- number one ever. I'm not sure. I don't know if a British rider's ever won more than three, but he he must. I think after there's only been Jamie Dobb that's won a world championship since Dave Thorpe. Right, right. Jamie won the one. Dave won three. Right, and and Dave won against. I mean, Dave won when it was everybody was in there. You know. It was. Yeah, I'm gnarly. not that clued up on those races, to be fair. But <laughs> I wasn't really, it was strange how I got into racing. My, none of my family was sort of in it, so I was never that into it. I just uh-huh. had a bike and just teared up the garden. And then, um, but was never like a fan of the sport. we just sort of done it as a family. Really, huh? Wow. Yeah, unknown to the sport as such. Yeah. Um, but now seeing back, you see the, when you're with Dave, people, um, yeah. yeah, he's still a bit of a legend. Yeah. No, he, he absolutely. He he. Uh, he's an all timer. Um, when you watch the GPS now, I mean, God, it looks like like it, it's a little bit like over here in, in in the USA. Like there's more riders than there are rides, and obviously, I think more so over there in MXGP than here. Money can get you a ride, can get you a spot. Um, yeah. You know, you're you're getting kicked out of MX2, which is something that happened to you. So so those kids, we don't know necessarily how good those kids are. When you watch the GP series now, Tommy, from afar, like, are you um, are you nostalgic? Are you do, do you do you kind of look at it and be like, oh man, those poor guys, uh, uh, they weren't in it, you know, kind of in the better days when I was there. Uh, what, what's your thoughts now? Um, no, it's, I quite like watching it. I still love it, um, and I'm not like bitter at all about the GPs. Yep. I think, yeah, some of the tracks aren't the best, but some tracks. Um, are really good that they're go-to still and then I understand that they've got to go to new places to get money in and championships mm-hmm. I get where where it goes um, I get the reasons behind it I mean it would be nice to go to different tracks and old school tracks but um, but I understand that side of the sport 
uh, that is needed for yeah. the promoter to get money, etc. Um, the bonus thing, like we don't obviously get paid a purse, but it's it's you get paid from your team. So right. I don't see that as a huge problem either. It's just you need to negotiate it in your in your contract. Um, but I know normally it's one to five and. I remember, I think I got fifth a couple of years ago and I think I come away 500 quid and I was like, fuck, that was a hard end, 500, <laughs> yes. 500 euros. Right, but, uh, right. but I watch it. I still love watching yep. it. I think there's obviously a lot of talent in it. It's, it's, um, it is tough, but it's strange sometimes because you can get a good start in that and you can say how tough it is, but then you could just watch it and go, oh, he just, mate, he just got a fourth. Like, and you're like, yeah, he got a good start and he, he sort of just got towed around, which somewhat mm-hmm. happens in the GPs. Yeah difficult to come through the pack but for some reason i think with how the bikes are and how the truck the tracks get with the ruts and how they develop it's um if you're up there at the start it's quite easy to to sort of run the pace Mm -hmm. but if you're trying to come from the back you've got no chance sort of thing which is what you see you see someone some riders that are you know not the top top guys but they can have good results as well every now and again with a good start Um, yeah you'll see tonus tonus out of nowhere i'll get a fourth or something and you're like oh but tonus is Tonus is good, do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's a very talented rider. Um, but you'll see, like, Lupino's great, and I think he had a third the other week. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a stacked field, and he's done so well to get a third, but you can pull one out the bag Yeah. Um, on a satellite team and stuff like that. But it's, it is hard work, and it's a little bit difficult with the, um, yeah, the salaries and how the wages are, but I sort of get it. Like, right. There's young people that want an opportunity, and then there's older riders that, sort of like well i'm not going to ride for that sort of money and then i see why a younger rider would say well give me the chance because they're young and they want that shot so i see the yeah the both sides of it yeah yeah i see both sides of it obviously i mean you i was lucky enough to do good and and get paid okay for a few years but then at the same time if i hadn't i've had a great mx2 career and i'd have gone up i would have been one of the guys like fuck just give me a shot like Mm-hmm. I can do well on this bike. Um, so I do see both sides of it. And then um, the age rule, I think. I think some riders are ready. Like Ben Watson's getting sort of pushed up. But yep. one of those where I think he'll ride the big bike really well. Um, so I don't see a problem him going up. And then sort of myself, when I went up, the age rule was, at, the age rule was still at, there at the time as well. Mm-hmm. But I would have gone up anyway. Um, I wouldn't have really stayed another year. Right. Um, sort of, I, I started quite young, and then I had a couple of years in America, and went back and done another two years. But I was happy to go up, move out of that class, sign a sort of decent MX one deal at the time, and um, I was happy with that decision. I would never have stayed. I would have had to race Jeffrey again if I stayed the next year. So, right, it's not like it would have been any easier. It's not like oh, one more year, yeah. I'd win. Yeah, um, I'd have been up against Jeffrey, and it'd have probably got even harder because he improved. Yeah, by getting a year older again. So. Um, I, I just don't it's know. Difficult. I just don't know. Like when you look at, well, Jonas has had some success, but you look at uh, Vlanderin or Tixier or you, these guys get pushed out, and then you're like, are they good, or are they just winning because they're on a great bike in MX2 and or, or Covington? You get to a, in my belief, you know, as you age in the MX2 class, you get stronger. Uh, physically yeah. and mentally, and you're racing it, you know, so you come around 23, 24, you are now, compared to a 16, 17, 18-year-old, you're so much more mature, you're so much physically stronger, you got more experience, and you, if you have a decent bike, 
it's almost like by default yeah, yeah. you should be good. But that doesn't yeah, mean right. It doesn't mean boom MX one you're ready. Like it, it's it's weird. But then you know the flip side to this, Tommy, is you know over here uh, a couple years ago we had Jeremy Martin, Aaron Plessinger, Zach Osborne, um, and somebody else. I don't remember what it was. And the average age was like twenty seven. Um, uh, those guys in, in the uh, in the two fifty class MX two. And yeah. so, like, I, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, maybe those guys should get out of there. So I see both sides of it. But overall, I'm not a fan of the MX2 rule. I just feel like, like, are these kids good or not? Right? Like, I mean, can you stick anybody yeah, on an MX on a KTM in MX2 right now, and they can run top five? <laughs> like, Yeah, I think if you get a few people drop down, say, like, oh, I don't know, I'm not saying I could go back to MX2, because their lap times are good. Yeah. Um, and they're obviously high on confidence. They've got a good bike. And confidence does massive things you know that's what happens when you go in mx fine you have an injury your confidence and then yep. you're up against it you don't get starts and it's just a spiral mm-hmm. um and then you don't get the ride and then all of a sudden it's like where am i i'm sort of begging to get a ride and i'm not getting results and you sort of you get on a downer because every weekend you feel like you're hitting your head against a brick wall sort of thing which is how i felt at the end of like the last couple of years yeah um, yeah and then but the kids are fast you know like uh, Vial, who won, yeah. it's a good rider. His lap times are good, same as mm-hmm. Ben Watson. You know, he's fast. I think Ben would go, I don't think he'd benefit from staying down another year because right. Vial's only going to be better. He's only 18 or 19. He, he, he might be 20, I don't know, but he's only going to get better. I listened to a little thing about um, that Joel Smets was an interview from him and mm-hmm. he was talking about it and he's like, well, uh, Yago Gertz is going to get a bit better. You're going to have the Kawasaki kid, the Dutch kid. So it's never going to get easier to stay there another year. Yeah. Um, Cause everyone gets better and more kids come up. Um, so I think it's time either way for Ben, but then at the same time, but someone could say, what well, we'll pay you good money to stay and have a shot at the title, but they mm-hmm. don't really do that now. Right. Um, in the two fifty, the markets are sort of, I don't know. They just don't pay a good ride. You- I think when I was there, CLS used to just come in, the CLS Pro Circuit mm-hmm. team, when they had that team, would yeah. just, the guy, um, JJ, was a bit nuts. And he would just say, I want Tonus, and just sort of blow anyone else out of the water. Right. And go from Tonus was on, say, a 60,000 deal at Yamaha, and he'd go, well, I'll pay you 200. <laughs> and then everyone would be like, well, what's going on here sort of yeah, thing? Yeah. Like, we was going to sign him for, for 80, and now you've signed 200, and why have you done that? And JJ's like, well, I don't care. I've got the money. I'm going to spend <laughs> yeah, it. Sort of. Yeah, right. They need someone like that in the 250 class. Um to sort of up the riders' salaries again. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think? Minute. Do you think uh, a seventh, eighth, tenth place guy in MX One right now is making top three or four MX Two money? Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think so. I wouldn't know to be fair. Yeah, but but just yeah, just on, but right. There's it, a few. There's some. Well, it's getting less. I, I would imagine. I'm not that clued up now, but mm-hmm. it is strange with how it's doing i know a lot of people um well you go through the list and you're like well it's, there's so many people that want to ride that they don't have to pay right do you know yeah someone to just undercut you and say well i'll do it i've not got a family to feed or I'm, right. Um, right i've not really got no bills i'll just move to holland put me up in an apartment and i'll have a good go yeah and they're motivated and um why not do you know i see why the teams the teams that go yeah well let's let's go this way he's young 
or um, this boat's got a bit of money, you can have a good go. We put the mm-hmm. support makes such a big difference. You look at Monticelli, he had ne- nothing in MX2, and he's good. He's fast now in MX1. Mm-hmm. But he don't hang about. He gets a start, and he he runs up the front for right. a few laps. Yeah, um, yeah. I see what you're saying. So I think right. you put a, you put a, a decent rider in a good team, like half decent rider in a good team in MX1, and they can make you pretty good. Right. Rather right. than pay someone um, that's five to ten, you could almost bring yeah. someone that's fifteen, put them in a factory team, and make them five to ten. Right. One thing about watching it this year, too, is uh, obviously it was a little different because we had three races. For for most of the series, it was three three races at one track. So that changes results because yeah. depending on how the guy feels at the sand or the hard pack or whatever the ra- wherever the race was. But one thing, man, you look at like fourth to ninth, and there's like two seconds separating them. And that goes back to what you were saying about the start. Like you can get fourth or you can get ninth, but it seemed like everybody was going the same speed. It was deep. Yeah, that's that how it gets yeah, in the yeah. class. It's strange. Yeah. When I would look at the lap times after, there's like 15 riders within 0.9 of a second. I, yeah. just, I think, bloody hell. Like, right. Or you're watching the race and then you look at the times and 12 and 13 for 14 for going the same speed as full fifth and sixth. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's bizarre, right? right? The, yeah. the times are identical and you just think, well, he's just got a bad start and he's got a good start. Right. That's the difference. Um. Looking at your career results here, uh, it's crazy. I, I obviously I followed your career. I was around the whole entire time in the media before I, I was a mechanic, and I don't remember. I don't. Um, I'm, I don't remember you coming up through the ranks. I just remember you know this this England kid Tommy Searle, and next thing like you're getting second, and then I was like, okay, I remember those days, and then I went back and looked at your results, and it was your second year. You got second in in MX2. Like that's. That was a steep to me. Again, I'm not following your your career super closely, but man, that was pretty good. Like you came out of the gate hot, and that's that's pretty impressive. I think for your second year in in the MX2 class. Yeah, I got um, I did. I come in quite young. Um, I was Jamie Dobb helped me. Mm-hmm. I was um, as I said before, my family we raced just yep. as a family through the schoolboys. My dad was never part of the racing, right? Um, so he had no idea really about motocross or mechanics <laughs> or anything like that. So. Right. We, we never raced abroad or yeah um and then do you remember the team mj church with tom church yeah. ride for and steven sword so yes yeah and yeah. they picked me up and i raced the under 21 championship um so i raced that for one year when i was 15 and then i raced my first gp uh you had to qualify at the time mm-hmm. um, at matching park and then i think i finished 17th my first gp yeah and then i got a ride with that team um and I used to live with Jamie Dobb then, and he sort of took me under his wing, um, which helped a lot because he's very structured. He just told me what to do. Right. I didn't think about anything. He really just would told me, you're doing a 40-minute moto today, and then we're going home. So I'd just do it, go home, yeah. or you've got to cycle to the track. I'll meet you there. You do your moto. Like, I thought about nothing. He, um, uh, And I didn't really know much, and nor did my family. So it's a good time for him to pick me up, um, and it would have boosted my career massively did at you, that time. So. Did you still go to school or did you kind of quit schooling? Like um, I stopped one year before. Oh, okay. So I stopped school yeah. at uh, 14. You normally stop at 16. So maybe like a year and a half before the yeah. end of school. Yeah. That's when I sort of moved up to Jamie's. Um, but you're still in school at 15 or 16 here. So I was racing GPs then as well. Um, but things just happened really quick. Even I remember my dad used to say, like, oh, you could ride for that team next year and i'll be like oh, don't be stupid like don't say things like that 
<laughs> and that, that really wind me up and be like, you could be on Factory K team next yeah, year. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, stop saying that. Like, just right. stop talking about it. It's not going to happen. And then everything happened really, really quickly for me. And then I rode for um, Molson Kawasaki. I got three podiums, I think, my first year in GPs. Um, at one, my first being the British GP, uh-huh. uh, which was massive to podium yeah. my home Grand Prix that year. Um, and then I raced the, the British um, MX of Nations in 2006 uh, as well. Um, and then the following year, I was on factory KTM. Um, yeah, like KTM's crazy team anyway. Yeah, so it happened quick. And right, I finished right. second in the world that year. So I won my first um, GP as well. When you're racing, so when you're racing uh, 80s in England, yeah, are you right away winning? Like your first few races, are you just like all? Are you winning right away? No, like, I'm just, like um, you went from a garden from, from a garden to the top spot. <laughs> yeah, we just I won everything as a kid, but. But battled, you know, like I was never a clear. Oh, okay. It was yeah. never like Tommy Selwood just smokes everyone. It was, I was always racing other kids. Okay. Um, yeah, I had good battles with the kids in my class. But my my bikes were always quite bad as a, as a kid. Like mm-hmm. not because my dad didn't try. Like he tried, but we just. Um, you didn't know any better. <laughs> we just didn't have the best stuff. <laughs> right, right. Um, he'd spend money on it, but we just, we didn't really know what we was buying. So, yeah. and I didn't care at all at the time. Like I'd wear any gear, any, yeah, any yeah. ride, any bike. Um, uh, so it just, everything happened quite quick. It's and then really, really cool that Jamie took you under, under his wing, right? Like, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was good. Actually treat me like a son really for the years I was there, his right. house, him and his, um, him and Naomi. So that was great. And then, yeah, then I moved straight to factory KTM. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where I won my first race. I think I might have won it at Namur, my first moto. And then um, a, f- a few riders got injured that year, to be fair. Um, is this like Rattray Day? This is Rattray yeah. and... Uh, so yeah. That year it was me, or no, I wasn't really a contender. It was Caroli, Porcel, Rattray. Yeah. Um, and Porcel was the year he hurt himself in Ireland and broke his back. Right. Tyler blew his knee out. Um, and then so I was sort of a fourth place rider, but then those two got injured so it made me like a second place rider as such mm, okay. uh, so then i finished second and then i won my first gp that year because caroli went to mx1 at donington park and then he raced his first gp in mx1 which meant that i was like the next best guy in that yeah. class and i won a gp the one he went up that one day huh um yeah which was in england as well so my first gp win was in england as well nice yeah podium win um, yeah in front of your hometown yeah, so it's quite good to do it at home um but yeah and then the second year i i've sort of had a proper shot at the title i was battling um rat trade i've had the red plate a couple of times throughout the year mm-hmm. um and then tony got injured that year in south africa he blew his knee out so then he was at the championship but i think i had the red plate at the time anyway um and then he was injured and then it went to me and Tyler and I think Tyler then won it um, probably by about 26 points. Did you have your eye on the USA at this point? Like, were you thinking I got to, I want to get over there. This supercross, this is my, this is my deal. Like, and obviously we'll get to the point. Okay, go. Hello. Um, yeah. So with America, I'm not really sure how it come about. I obviously (laughs) wanted to come out there and, um, Jamie at the time was a big influence. Um, Mm -hmm. I came anyway. And it was good. I, I loved it out there. I obviously rode for KTM, moved there with KTM. At one stage, I was going to come the year before. Okay. I was going to come the year before, and then I ended up staying um, mm-hmm. one more year in the 250, which is good. I ended up second, and then I came that following year. Um, but it was good. I, I was young, though. That I think that was a little bit of my problem. 
you when you see the other guys that have sort of made it mm-hmm. well, like Dylan and um, Zach, they was a little bit older when they came. Right. I was sort of young. I come on my own. I think I was 19, just turned 19. I moved to America on my own, bought a house, a car, and had Wasserman Media Group at the time. I'm mm-hmm. um, managing me. Um, but it was good. I, I loved my time there. I had a trainer there, um, Tyrone White, who used to train Tyler a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he lived with me at the time. He was a little bit older, so I had him live with me. But I was just maybe a little bit too young at the time to come out there and try and um, take it all on. I, I would think it would be uh, better to be young because you could get Supercross down sooner, but I see what you mean a little bit also on the other side. The, the... Yeah, I think the Supercross, it, that's what I thought at the time. I yeah. think be young, get out there, try and learn Supercross. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe I'd have been a little bit better if I was a little bit mature, um, a little bit older, wiser and sort of took my time with the Supercross thing because I didn't actually race Supercross the first year. Um, I done. I went straight into national, so I yep. sort of sat out Supercross, which I think was a good decision. I think so too, yeah. But um, you, I, yeah. we were just talking about your results. That's what made gave me the idea to do this podcast was somehow you came up on one of my shows about racing in America, and, and we were talking about it, and I was like, hey, Cyril's results were better than you remember. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you made podiums? Yeah, they were. They weren't bad, actually. No, um, not at all. Considering how, if you look at sort of even Ken Roxon's first year and Marvin's first year, um, mine were pretty good. I had some podiums, a couple of second places. I think three overall podiums and mm-hmm. three moto second places, maybe. Um, and then I sort of maybe peaked halfway through that season. but um, And then towards the end of the year, I sort of tailed off. Yep. Um, but I had some good some good races yeah considering i was out there on my own and just sort of winging it <laughs> uh, and then i jumped in at, one good thing when i was out there was kurt nickel was the yeah uh boss at ktm at the time and he he helped me a lot um so that was great to have him there but i did i loved my time out there and um it wasn't it wasn't like a disaster no no you got hurt in supercross right i remember uh you didn't yeah, finish this stupid little crash as well was it did you I just tipped over in a corner and I hurt the nerves at the back of my shoulder so I couldn't lift my arm. Um, <laughs> Weird. Yeah, really silly. Um, but I, I think I actually finished seventh in my Supercross, my first race at Anaheim. Yeah. Um, and I sort of got a little bit screwed that year because KTM tried pulling the plug on everything. Right. I was going to get into this. Um, so, yeah, that's what I heard, right? KTM had you to a two-year deal and then said, yeah, yeah we're not racing. Deal. And then you were like, no. Yeah, says, <laughs> yeah, they just called up and says, we're not racing anymore. So... I was being, and they sort of wanted to cut the contract. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was quite a good contract that I had. Um, so the Wasserman was sort of managing it at the time. And they said, well, whatever happens, they're going to have to pay you. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that's all right. I'm just a kid anyway. So um, whatever you sort of say. And then I almost got a deal with Suzuki as well, um, which would have been great. But yeah, yeah. anyway, then Pontium ran a team. But they sort of ran the Lessie outdoors and they ran me supercross. Right. Um, that sort of half assed effort again. They just thought, well, instead of paying him and not letting him race and mm-hmm. having him race for someone else, I guess we'll just run the team. <laughs> and it was a good group of people because we had Casey Lytle. Yeah. Um, um, Jay was my mechanic. Jay Burgess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jay Burgess is my mechanic, which I got on well with Jay. Um, I like, I really like working with Casey. And it was basically. Um, us two and a truck driver mm-hmm. and uh and, and no sorry we had Leighton doing our engine oh yeah so Leighton. Our engine was still really good did you know Leighton from did good. you know Leighton from back in the day 
No. Oh, okay. Jamie did. I, yeah. They had a good relationship, I think. I don't know how, but um, right. I really like. I really got on well with Leighton. Uh, but so we had a small group, but a good group. But they just KTM didn't really give us much to do do a lot with, really. Mm-hmm. And then I was riding on my own at the KTM test track with no teammates. Um, <laughs> so it's just sort of yeah. rather than just getting in the mix of say like a, a team with four teammates and learning, I sort of was just riding around the Supercross track that they didn't prep because they didn't even rebuild it from the year before and then um, racing supercross and then i thought i'd done all right i got seventh and eighth i think and then the third round um i just tipped over and practiced and hurt my shoulder and that was that really right yeah crazy to think um, yeah crazy to think that that's how that's what they would do but and and, you know from the outside it's like oh searles factory ktm but yeah from what i remember it was barely enough they ran a lesson we had a good bite the end the bite was still good but, um, just a really small team. Mm-hmm. Um, but And then I got ready for outdoors and finished second in the first moto outdoors. Um, and I always tell Dean this, that I smoked in the first race. And then um, <laughs> I actually fell off the second race again and hurt that same shoulder. So it put me out for outdoors again. And uh, and that was it, really. That was the American dream. Yeah. Dream over. Um, did, could you have stayed? Or did you look around? Did Wasserman help look around for another American team? Was anybody yeah, interested? Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. Um, for, for some reason, I have in my head that Geico was going to do something with me, but it, there wasn't money there. Mm-hmm. It was just like, we'll give you the opportunity um, to ride, but it was very little money. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure, I don't know why I think that. Maybe I've bought it or dreamt it, but <laughs> I'm sure there was something there. And yep. then um, I ended up going to CLS, which was sort of a pro circuit deal at the right. time. They'd linked, Mitch was helping them or they was buying parts. And... I was going to race Supercross for Mitch in Oh, America. you were? Oh, okay. Yeah, that was sort of part of my deal. So Mitch just says, you can ride um, you can ride Supercross. I'll supply you a bike, um, race West Coast, and then you go back, do a few rounds, and um, race GPs. And then if I, if I think you're decent enough mm-hmm. and you want to come back, then I would offer you something the following year. Okay. Um, so that was the plan. And then I came back to England after uh, Mark Cross of Nations. I jumped BMX and crashed my BMX and broke my foot and then I took an operation on my foot and then I tried racing supercross or no I tried getting ready I was training with Tortelli uh-huh. and I had like three weeks before Anaheim and um I just thought this isn't going to work is it I'm sort of I'm not good enough um right in the position I'm in coming back from an injury I may as well knock it on the head and um try and have a good year in in MX in the 250 class yeah. in the world championship right um what um, which that, really. which motocross track in America did you like the best? Which one did you like? Do you remember? I used to love practicing it. Um, uh, what's that one up? Uh, not Race Town, the one before Race Town. Comp, Comp Edge. Edge. Comp Edge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to rip around Comp Edge. That was, <laughs> that, was, that was my house. That was your spot, Comp Edge. Yeah, that was honestly really my spot. People wouldn't. I'd smoke most people up. There. <laughs> I wonder because drive up there every Tuesday because it uh, was just fast and flat, and that's why <laughs> I don't know why I just ripped around. I think no one else used to like going up there, and I just used to go up there every week. And then right. when someone did show up, I was the boy. Yeah, you were the man, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> what about the uh, national tracks? Uh, nationals. Don't know. I done quite well at Hangtown. Uh, yeah. No, I like Red Bud actually. The first time um, I raced Red Bud. Yeah, yeah. That was probably my. I got a second at Red Bird. That was good. I like High Point. High Point's um, total Euro track. Total GP track. Yeah, that track. was nice. Right. Um, 
And then Red Bud, I really enjoyed. High Point, the race at Colorado, the night race, I, I liked that one the way the track was. And yeah. I sort of had a good result. Those were the three I'd done well at. I didn't like um, you. No, Unadilla, I thought was all right. I didn't yeah. do great, but I liked it. Right. Washougal, I didn't like that as much as I thought. Yeah. Um, that's that's what most people say. It looks right. good, but it's not <laughs> that nice to ride. No, it's shadowy. It's slippery. It's yeah, hard packed. tricky. Right, right. Yeah, uh, I didn't do great there either. Uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Tommy Searle, flyracing.com. Please check him out. You know who wears Fly Racing? Zach Osborne, who just won the 450 Motocross Championship. Did you ever come across Zach at the British Championships, or were you gone and he was there? No, I raced Jack, Zach for a couple of years. We had good battles. So. Yeah. Hard to believe he came um, back and, and became the what he is yeah, over here. it's amazing what he's done. Right? But it's not surprising. He's so, um, just how his mentality and how strong he is, and he just never, ever gives up, does he? He's just like a, yeah. sometimes Dean calls me up and he just goes, oh, I just, he says, Zach was there today. He's like, he just, when he was on the 250, he's like, he just sat behind me 25 <laughs> laps. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, no, like right behind me. Right. He says, I just, he says he was so mad when he come in. He says, but he just, he couldn't pass me because I was faster on this section, but he just at yeah. roost and he said he just got hit by rocks every single lap. And Dean had <laughs> and sent he loved me a video. It. And he like, loved it. <laughs> yeah, send me a video and he said, Look, I'd land on this jump and the roost goes into Zach's helmet every lap. And I he was just like, I just don't understand. He said, I just wish I could be like that. I said, What do you mean? He's like, Well, I just he said I I wouldn't I can't do it. He said, I'd just wait a couple of seconds and then pull away. He says, But he just sat in it yeah, yeah. every single lap. Yeah. He he says he can't compete at the practice track. He says it's just one hundred percent every single day. He, says, is, he just cannot understand how we how he wakes up and does it. There's a famous story that Zach has told us about uh, Russia and how he had this Russian GP, and his mom and him slept in a tent at the yeah, track. I remember him doing it. Right, right. And so I always tell people when you've had to sleep in a tent in Russia, you'll do anything to come back home in your home country. Yeah, but I think it was that the, the he it wasn't that he was had no money. It was the hotels were so far yeah, away. I think yeah. I had to drive two hours to stay in the hotel that night. Right, right. Um, so I just think his best option was just stay in a tent. And he was in his little tent in the truck, so it's not as bad as don't what he don't don't ruin the story, Tommy. Yeah, I've read it a few times. And I'm like, the story's not as good. Like he <laughs> he chose that option rather than the driving because I don't think the hotels were much better either. Tommy Searle shitting on Tommy Searle shitting on Zach Osborne on the Racer X podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like Zach. I know. Um, I'm kidding. I'm joking. But that, um, yeah, that the trip in Russia was crazy. Um, just where we had to stay. That's the one where Hurlings crashed his car as well at the end. Oh, yeah, that's I right. Remember, yeah. I, I see you. I was racing him, and I remember thinking, "Fuck, he, he might be hurt. I might be able to win this championship." <laughs> and then um, he came back and beat me to the following race. Uh, also, besides this fly racing, it's also presented by Renthal and Maxis, renthal.com for more information on that. And of course, Maxis tires used by Alex Ray and Justin Rodbell uh, this past summer here in America. And thanks to Race Tech as well. Pulp 20 is the code to save with Race Tech. Get your motor work done, get suspension work done with Race Tech. Michael Lessie just winning the two stroke world championship, Searle, with, with Race Tech components. Can you believe it? Um, hey, so. Uh, you go back to Europe after America. Well, first of all, I guess let's. Did you get caught up in America? Like, did you get a little bit caught up in the scene uh, uh, with just kind of being by yourself and and and? Well, you, I know you had your guy living with you, but having some no, money, being young. Really. No, no, not as such. I was young. I was really young one night, so I couldn't go out to. Um, I couldn't drink or anything like that, and just not. I'm not that type of person, really. Um, I enjoyed it out there, loved it, and then yeah, went to a few parties and things like that. Right. 
I remember meeting Josh Hill once. Um, I was leaving a workshop in Temecula and I bumped into Josh and sort of I didn't know anyone at the time and he invited me over his house. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to a party at his a couple of times. It's quite funny. Um, <laughs> was J-Law there? I remember one time <laughs> Everts, Stefan Everts was at the party as well. What? After the GP, Glenn Helen. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Party. I think Stefan Everts was there and Joel Smets. It was really, um, it was quite a funny time. But um, Yeah, I bet. But no, I didn't really get into the scene at all. I just... I loved living out there, had a house with a, a poor net and mm -hmm. still I trained, trained hard while I was there, worked hard and um, my friends used to come out and stay but never really, yeah. I didn't get sucked into anything. There was nothing that I was like, oh, I right. sort of didn't take it seriously or anything like that. I took, um, I sort of done my best and put my best foot forward when I was out there and mm -hmm. I, like I said, I employed a trainer the first year to, to stuck by everything, what he said and right. we had a good time. I used to go to little... There was a club called Brandon Iron up in um, near Glen Helen and things like that. Um, no, not Brandon, the BI, I think it was. But um, yeah, done the stuff that you do as a kid, but never. Right, um, never. Yeah. I didn't really get too sucked in in it. Right. Um, so you go back to Europe, MX2, um, as you said, uh, Hurlings is now you know the guy. You guys are swapping wins. Uh, I read some stuff back then in the media between you two guys. It didn't seem very friendly. How bad did it get with you two guys? How, how gnarly was it? Because. Also, Jeffrey, who's grown up now in this yeah, point, but but he kind of uh, – I wasn't a Jeffrey fan when he first came on the scene for a few things that I heard and said, but or read that he said. But how bad was it between you two guys? Well, the first year I came back, I finished um, – it was when Ken Roxon was still here, so he won the title that year. Um, and then I won a few GPs, but Jeffrey finished second in the end that year, myself third. Um, and everything was – pretty friendly that year and then the following year it's just it was sort of me and him sort of head to head every weekend it was sort of all or nothing really if i got second mm -hmm. i'd yeah. be upset um it was like a bad weekend if i got second um and i guess vice versa for him he was always he sort of had the edge on me i would would say around most tracks um yeah. but somehow i won quite a lot of races i'd sort of go two one a few times but when he'd win the gp he'd always go one one yep um and then when I'd win a GP, apart from the British GP and I think the final GP of the year, mm -hmm. I'd always go like 2-1. Right. So he'd gain points on there. And I had a couple of problems, but it's um, yeah, it got pretty messy. I was like swerving over. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Things like that. And then um, my friend Mal Poe got brake checked in one time. And then he, he uh, it was the last lap and we was battling. I think we was lapping up to like seventh. And uh, my friend Mal Break checked him and then he started swearing at the camera telling him he's going to get Mel Pocock and he's going to find him. <laughs> but I think it was just young. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, we've all done silly things when we're young and I think when you're, he was even younger than most, winning and right. obviously quite famous in this country, you're just sort of quite easy for that sort of stuff to go to your head. So um, yeah. just being that young in that position, I think it's quite, you'd have to be very sensible to to not do anything silly, if you know what I mean. Yeah, to, to have it all go straight. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah right. No, I, I I would believe that. But it seemed like in the press, anyways, from following it from over here, it, it got nasty between you guys for sure. Yeah, I think a couple of times, I think at the British GP, he said people were throwing sandwiches and tomatoes and, <laughs> and things at him. But I didn't see it actually happen. But a few of my friends in that said they yeah. see it happen. But, um, and I remember he lapped me at one race. Um, I think I won the GP of Great Britain. And then the following weekend, it was uh, Learock, where he's obviously a sand specialist. Not, yeah. uh, or it might have been a couple of weeks after. Anyway, the championship had already sort of, he had a 50-point lead then because 
I had a couple of DNFs at the beginning of the year, I think three bike problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has a big lead. So I didn't put much, like I didn't go live in Belgium for sort of the two months, which I would have done had the championship been coming down to the line. But anyway, he, um, the fans are really close at Lear Up, and yeah. I think the British fans were chucking stuff at him. So then at Lear Up, the Dutch fans were um, oh. were real close to the track, and I was sort of then I got lapped by him uh-huh. for a couple, and then they was all hanging over the fence, like doing the sign, like he's lapped me, sort of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's quite funny, but uh, it. I mean, it wasn't too bad, but it was sort of. Right. I remember being worried some race, and I think he was worried. We sort of both like if he's behind me, he's going to try and hit me, and if I was right. in front sort of make a dirty move on him but um it wasn't really that bad i think it's just a few things at the time it's sort of the most fun year i could ever have racing sure when i look back it's my best year being in um being in the position of going to the start every weekend thinking i've got a win i've got my my podium bag there ready for the podium and it was just a no-brainer that you're going to fight for a win every single race um yeah and it was so good looking back uh but yeah the rivalry was good it bought it brought so much interest i think to the british fans as well as the mm-hmm. dutch fans and also anyone watching it because the, i don't know it's not really even he's i've read a couple of interviews jeffrey's done and i get on well with him now not best mates but sort of yeah. if i go to holland I've, I've been over to see him at his place a couple of times and um, right. we get on well but um yeah even he's done interviews where he says he's never really had a um a rivalry like that, a title fight right. since then. So it was good for me to be a part of it for my career. And, and I absolutely loved it now. Yeah. It was my favorite year racing. Dude. I can't even imagine like I, I raced, you know, local pro and, and whatever. So I, I had a dream of being a, a top rider like yourself and never came anywhere near it. And I can't imagine what it would be like at a, at a GP in my country where I'm winning or I'm, I'm going for the championship and, you know, you have these people hanging over the fence, just cheering. Every, like that must be just an amazing feeling, especially as you say, looking back, being older now, being like, "Fuck me, that was awesome." You know, like that's just yeah. a really cool time. Yeah, it's nice to look back. It's, it's strange at the time. It's such a good. Everything happens so quickly, and you sort right. of you're so in the moment. I remember racing Supercross and thinking because I always used to go to America and watch Supercross, and uh-huh. then I used to think, "Whoa, like." then people would say like you're racing in a couple of years and I thought I can't even imagine it picture myself (laughs) being in this stadium like I'm watching it yeah and I'm not ready for this sort of thing but then when you I think when you train for it you mentally get yourself ready into for that situation and when it comes around it sort of just comes and goes and you're like I've done it and then for me to think now to say like oh you're gonna race supercross again say next year like go prepare it Mm -hmm. be like wow that's mad but (laughs) i think you mentally prepare yourself and you're ready for it and it it sort of comes and goes and it's hard to almost take it all in and then i remember being at winning the gp and thinking this is great sort of thing and having signing autographs and then the following day just being sat at my um sat back at my house i was just on my own thinking Mm -hmm. like i was at the gp like i was the man yesterday and now i'm just sat here like texting people like do you want to do something and they're like no like busy today yeah yeah and i'm just like well i'm just sat on my own like does anybody want to hang out um, yeah like what a contrast of two days yeah um it's true it just comes and goes so quick and then to look back and think i've had sort of one of those moments and sometimes just when people bring it up and say i was there at that race that was a great race that's a nice feeling to um Mm -hmm. to have even though i'm not old sort of retired as such it's I hopefully like in maybe 10 years time people are still say i remember that race i think that's nice um, yeah a nice feeling to have no absolutely it's pretty pretty phenomenal i was stoked for you 
when you got on the uh, um, the uh, Caroli team. Okay. Yeah, no, I was really happy. That that, that was going to be the year. That was going to be a great bike. Obviously, it's been proven, and the team was fantastic. And um, but man, injuries again, huh? Yeah, it didn't really go to plan. No. That year, going into that year again, I thought I'll have a fresh start because yep. I had an offer to go to factory um, Kawasaki that year. Because the previous year I got injured, my bike stopped on the jump in Thailand, and I smashed. There was a fuel problem, so I think I was in. Uh, third position at the time having an actually all right season um it was only the second round but i think i'd finished fourth at round one and mm-hmm. i was in third at round two um and the bikes died on the takeoff of that massive jump um and then i like crashed snapped the forks on the bike snapped my wrist um but i came back later in the year and i, I was doing okay again so i got offered a factory deal from kawasaki um and also from ktm and i thought i'll i'll go ktm to right. have a complete fresh start yeah right? because i wasn't I wasn't happy at that time. I thought, like, I'm, I still feel I belong up the front. So let's have a fresh start. Mm-hmm. You can't get any better than Factory Katie no, and no. Caroli's teammate. Um, so I moved. I moved everything to Rome. Bought a camper van. Lived in the car park in at Tony's workshop. Did you really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I just stayed there. Me and Kenda Diker had two much. He had his remote home. I had my remote home. Um, Tony was up the road like ten miles in his house, but we just lived in the um, in the car park for four months. Yeah, me and Ken, it was, it was brilliant. To be fair, yeah. um, absolutely loved it. And then we just rode together, all three of us, every day. Uh, really nice time. Like such a nice team. I, I I like Tony. I think he's one of the the nicest people I've met. Really in motocross, he's right? so down to earth. F- and, fantastic uh, guy. Yeah, yeah, so down to earth, and never even talks about bikes. Like if we was to go up the house, he'd just want to play his computer. Never, he'd never even talk about motocross. Right. Um, if he wasn't at the track. And uh, just really down to earth. But I love being on that team. And then I actually won a race at the Italian Championship. I got second at the first round, I think. And I finished second overall in the championship to Caroli. And there was a lot of good people that had done that championship. I think Paul Lam was in it, mm-hmm. the Diker that year, Nagel. So I set myself up pretty well. I was, I was going fast. And then um, I hurt my thumb at the first round, just jarred it, as you do, like skier's thumb, I think they call it. Yep. And I pulled the ligament away from the... No, the ligament pulled away a bit of bone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's common. And, uh, it's a common thing for motor yeah, guys, yeah. Yeah, one, it's horrible to ride with. And then I still, so I went to Thailand from that race, done terrible at that race. Went to Thailand, had a week before, and then that was the year Villa Pote was there as well. And then I qualified third, I think, in time practice. And then in the race, I hit the jump, and I just endowed and had a huge, huge crash again in Thailand. <laughs> Second year running, so back in hospital. Yeah. And I broke my back that year. Um, and that was that again, really. Tried to come back a little bit too soon, as you do, because I thought, I've got this opportunity. Like, you've got to make the most of it. Yeah. And I just come back too soon again. And then I broke my shoulder, um, separated my AC joint. Just one of those things, really. And then I still came back again after that and was fast. But it was just a little bit too little, too late. I just tried too hard from right. the injuries. Um, like, I was well prepared, but it just didn't really go my way. Yeah, no, it was a it was a chance for for a guy like me who was following your career to be like, okay, well, this is going to be good because everything's everything's set up for success. Yeah, sort of all set. Yeah, it shouldn't have gone wrong as such. Like I was fast, I worked, I'd done everything they said. I just thought I'm just going to listen to everything they tell me to do. Right. Like I'm going to try and impress them, sort of thing. Like just leave everything at home. I'm I actually lived in my camp for four months. It yeah. was mega. Um, it just but sometimes things just don't go the plan, do they? 
Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Right. And and for you, yeah, kind of. That's like we, like we talked about it for the for the MX one. It was just like man, one thing after yeah, another. Yeah, that was it. After that, yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, then I went with Dixon, and I I love racing for Steve Dixon as well. But it was sort of an adjustment then. I was always used to a, a sort of factory team or right. a factory supported team, and then I went to Dixon. The first year, I sort of had really high expectations. Expectations. Sorry. And then um, I sort of had to adjust my expectations. You know, like all right, I'm. I was sort of arguing with Steve, like, I need this, I need this. The bike kept stopping, and I yep. was like, why is it stopping? Like, we had this problem last week, and now we've got it again this week. I was like, what's the problem here, sort of thing. And and then, in the end, sort of, you almost have to just lower your expectations from things. I knew they yep. was trying their best with what they had, um, and and that was that, really. We had good races every now and again, um, but just very hit and miss. And I love riding for Steve Dixon. I've done it for, mm-hmm. I think, three years. And some of the best best times racing because he was very laid back. Like right. he's so good to ride for Steve. Um, once you sort of understand him, but you have to understand him because he's very strange. Um, but very good at the same time. Yeah. It's just weird the way he works. And um, but I love racing for him. Yeah. Yeah. Zacho but says the same. That was, um, Zacho says the same thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Really. Yeah, that's right. Zach and Steve yeah. loves Zach. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think Zach, I think Steve would do anything for Zach. Do you know what I mean? He brought him to America. And right. He gave everything. He didn't need to do any of that. And he went out and he's spent his own money to do his best for Zach and Zach went out on a limb to do the same for Steve. Mm-hmm. Like they just, they work together so well. And I think if you get that with Steve, um, a lot of the riders have had really good results with Dixon. Like Tonus had his best results. Yeah. Anstey had his best results. Zach obviously done well coming to America with Steve. Um, and it sort of set his career a little bit. Obviously Zach's gone from, above and beyond sort yeah. of thing after Steve, but it, it helped him get it. Oh, for sure. No, absolutely. Um, Boss Kawasaki. <laughs> yeah, Boss. But I, I like the people from Boss. You know, I they got great press releases. And, they got great... and at the time, it was difficult. But when I step away and look back, like mm-hmm. it wasn't that they didn't try. It was just that they wanted to do it very differently, like strange sort of yeah. in a French way. They, they had their way of doing things. Uh-huh. And... um didn't work like it really didn't work but (laughs) they spent a lot of money trying to make it work and even you could tell them like you please don't spend that money on that that just don't (laughs) do it again and then they would go do it again like no we want we need to be different we don't want to just follow the others and um they tried hard but it just wasn't wasn't to be sort of thing they have good suspension what they their suspension's good um they sort of they had a go and then i like them both now the, the father and son um yep I still talk with them now, but it, yeah, it wasn't to be for um for the motocross team. Um, yeah, really, right? Um, hey, you know what's funny is you crushed it at so many MXONs over the years. You rode really well. Yeah, always, good, always stepped up. Always rode well. Um, I, I raced Tim Ferry, I think, at um, Bud's Creek. That's your man, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's my guy. Two thousand seven. Um, but it's ironic that the the race that Great Britain made the podium at. You uh, had yeah, you had your worst one, <laughs> right? Like, like it was the, it was Matterly and it was muddy and it was a disaster. And, and all it, the British fans were there. Yeah, I got so much abuse for that. I mean, I get quite a lot of abuse anyway. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, but but, but you should have been like, hey, hey, listen here, fuckers. When 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 we got fourth all those years, uh, I was the, I, know, I was I, the I, guy I was getting those. One. Right, I was the one. So then the one time I'm sort of there, like, well, if you'd have done something, and I, <laughs> fuck, I tried my best that year, it just wasn't to be. But um, yeah, yeah, I love. It's always, I've always sort of done well at those races. You did, yeah. I've always done well at the British GPs. Um, I've always done well at Des Nations. 
Uh, I think most years I've been on the podium in my class. I think even Bud's Creek in 2007, I was on the podium um, in the MX1. I think I finished third. It was um, Villapoto, Dodike, and myself in the mm-hmm. MX2, MX3 MX, race. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it I, was, just, I love them events. And then, yeah, the British one, it just all went wrong, really. Is it something? Yeah, one lap. Is it like I remember too? Like last few years, you dropped down to the two fifty. You know what I mean? Um, it yeah, I thought it, I'm never going there. Right, like it. It always seemed like you came through with those things. So I don't know if it was uh, you were just extra stoked, extra like no pressure, so I can just do whatever. Like whatever it was, Tommy Searle riding well at MX the MXON was was almost guaranteed. You know? Yeah, and no, I've had. Um, I always loved the event. Um, yep. We've come so close so many times, and then that that day, I think. Yeah, so many. I think we've missed um, third position when I've been on the team three times by one point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> by freak things as well. I think like Simpsons Chain. Simpsons Chain at Latvia. 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 Yeah, yeah. Billy McKenzie threw it away a couple of times, like last lap of his, the the, the final race, because I was in MX2 then. Right. Strange things. Like Dean raced one year with a broken wrist and he'd done well, but we missed it by one point. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the British one, and then it, well, we just got lucky really because Max rode amazing. Max was, yeah, he was on fire. Yeah, and Dean obviously done good as well. But I, yeah, I had a terrible weekend. Um, <laughs> I think I went DNF eighteen or DNF fourteen. Yeah, um, my worst ever nations, and then we was on the podium. So I was sort of up there feeling like, well, I don't belong up here. And, I've not really done anything. But and to make it worse, you missed those. you missed second by one point. Uh, Holland beat you guys by one point for second. Um, so yeah, just so that could have been my blame. So just think, Tom, if you had been able to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I actually rode my heart out that second race because I think um, uh, I remember I come through all right. It was quite difficult. We didn't have the best. I don't know. We just didn't have. We had problems with the bike all day, and it was yeah. running terrible. It broke the first race, and then so it wasn't really that much on me. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's hard to explain that. But I'd done my best, and oh. and luckily Max held it down for us. Really, like I said, you rode well at the MXON. Almost, you know. Do you, do you have one that stands out? One that you really felt you were great at? The Buds one? Uh, I like the first ones. I remember um, I remember Buds Creek well. I, I loved that. Actually, the first race I was racing, I was think I was third position or something in the the main race, like the MX. Yep. Obviously, always the MX1, MX2 yep. is the somewhat stronger race most years. And then Chad Reed passed me on the inside and took me out. Um, <laughs> I went a little bit wide, to be fair. but yep. um, And I remember Mark Eastwood, who's our team he was our team manager at the time. He went over and wanted to fight Chad Reed. Um, he was like, why oh, you took him out and wanted to fight him? But it was a little bit my fault. But Mark was like mega yeah, team yeah. manager, really passionate about everything. Right. So Chad was like, who? Who? Yeah, he wouldn't have even known who I was, no. really. He wouldn't have even known. Who, he probably wouldn't have even felt it hit me. I was so small and skinny. I just, I just flew off the side of the track. Um, but that one I loved. And then... I just... I always enjoy him, to be fair. I liked yeah. Tuchentel in Germany that one year. I think it was 2000 and uh, uh 13, maybe yeah that was a good race um with i think tomac was there and donji yeah that year and then um yeah obviously the, i i didn't enjoy the british one at all no but uh, when you but when you are you stoked like are you on the podium are you really happy or do you feel a yeah bit... i was sort of happy but then i thought i felt like sort of i don't deserve it was one of those like yeah, yeah. bittersweet sort of thing like so happy to be up there but felt like i didn't do anything i don't deserve to be up here as right such. right you're it like was, hey max just, max today. you just stand up there max just it's all yeah you. <laughs> i sort of was like yeah a little bit i felt like i was in the pictures and i'm like ah oh, i think they might want to crop me out of these after. <laughs> i 
that bad posting about it when I've got an 18th and I'm like, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yo, hey, some guys would, right? Like some, some, some riders would be like, yes, yes. It was all yeah, me. Well, right. Yeah. But oh yeah, I didn't really do much, but it's just swings and roundabouts. I guess that was my yeah. max had it down and yeah. um, we got on it. So it was nice. That's my only ever, I won the MX nations in my class in one year in um, Latvia. Mm-hmm. So I got to stand on the podium with the other teams then. You're right. you do if you win your class, you right. get on the podium. But that's the first, the only time I've done it. I think I've done it 11 times, and that's the only time um, we've I've ever been on the podium with a team. God, 11 yeah, times. You might, that might be the record. I don't. You probably don't know because you don't follow that stuff. But yeah, I think might be... it might be. I think Matt, Paul Manning done it quite a few times. I'm not sure yeah. how many times Thorpey done it. I'm I, not sure he may have. I don't think Thorpey did it 11. Long. I don't think he did it 11, knowing my, knowing my thinking back a little bit. Cause, so that's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. To do that many yes, times, yeah. it was. Um, I think most times I've either I've either been in a team or I've been injured. Um, the last few times, there's always so much controversy now between who gets picked because there's a few of us that are like almost don't deserve the spot because we're we're not winning. You know, before when I first used to do it, it was like no brainer, Tommy right. Searle, like everyone was behind me, sort of thing. And now right. it's like Searle or Simpson or like Searle or um like sean's been left out of the team a couple dean, of times i've dean, been left out of the team dean. a couple of times and you've got dean in america yeah right and then um there's always a lot of controversy now it sort of spoils the event a little bit because there's so much um honestly the abuse you get through it beforehand like fuck he's useless he shouldn't be on the team like he shouldn't even be on his local uh team event in england that no designations and you just think like i'm not even asking to be on the team yeah yeah yeah. You're just getting so much abuse before it. I remember Ben Watson was on the team in um uh when it was Redbud. Yeah. And I actually done all right at Redbud there. My bike broke one race, but I had we all rode all right that day. Um and Ben was like, Four, he's like, If if I'd got the abuse you've got before this event, I I, I wouldn't be able to ride it. He <laughs> said, I I I just I'm so he said, I'm already that nervous. Yeah. He said, I've read some of the comments, like I wouldn't be able to come. He yeah. said, I've had to give my spot up, so I couldn't yeah. come. And I said, oh, fuck, I've had it years sort of thing. Yeah, like, yeah you're like, don't worry about it. On now. Right. Yeah, sort of, it's not nice to read, but you just sort of get on with it in the end. And when you're at the event, everyone's um, 100% behind you at any destinations, any um, country. But yep. And it's amazing. But, yeah, the beforehand bit's a little bit starting to spoil it a bit for the team. You guys GB got on now. the podium at Redbud, right, I think? Right? Yeah. Um, Redbud? No, did we? No. Um, no, we didn't get on at Red. Have we had two yeah, podiums? no, you did. No, no, no you they did. got on it. At, um, did we? I can't. Yeah, remember. it was France, France, Holland, Great Britain, Australia. That's right. Yep, a USA fifth because Italy got disqualified for fuel or something. Yeah, yeah. Not. Yeah, we did, but we not at the event. Sorry. Yeah, because Italy, right? I remember, so we didn't stand on the podium. That's right, right? Because uh, Italy yeah, with the fuel. I don't remember being on the podium. Um, yeah, it, it come about like three weeks later, didn't it? Right. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, a bit strange. So it's not really not the same. But then they've been on it. Yes, yeah, so, and then what was it last year? Uh, um, Assen Team GB got on it again. Um, they all done good, but I wasn't on the team that year. Yeah. Uh, it's I, I I honestly I, I the last few of these designations thing I've just blocked them out of my mind they've been so mis- miserable weather and then everybody Team USA is so miserable <laughs> I've just been like yeah it's not been good it's strange really <laughs> right right I don't know why it makes no sense especially the American one no sense um, no sense no it makes no sense but um yeah it's a strange one uh well all right man hey thanks uh thanks for the time Tommy I really appreciate it I, I wanted to catch up with you no pleasure like I said somehow your name came up and we were like dude. 
Searle was good in the USA. We started talking about that, and then I'm like, you know what? I should call Tommy and see if he's doing a, see if he wanted to do a podcast. Yeah, no, so. I appreciate that. It's been um, it's been nice to come on. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, fantastic career, uh, absolutely amazing stuff, and uh, uh, you know all of it. All of it. It's cool that you you do. You know, you seem to have a great attitude about it, so that's awesome. Like you're not you're not bitter, you're not angry. You're, you know what I mean? Like all, you like yeah, yeah. No, I still um. Yep. I love I still love race, riding, and um. I hopefully I can do it for a couple more years and enjoy it, and uh, yeah, just carry on as I am, really. What do you want to do uh, when you hang it up? Do you have a plan? Do you? Uh, it's tricky. I was actually talking to my wife about it today. She was like, "You need to sort something out when um, <laughs> when you retire." And I'm like, "Well, I said I'll be. A, I said you could go get a job. I'll be a stay-at-home dad. You'll be at school by then. Yeah. Um, and I can go ride my mountain bike. Yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah, but I don't know. It's it's tough, isn't it? It's, it's a difficult. Um, yeah. I think I'll be all right, but I can see how people struggle with it. Oh, like, for sure. Hanging up the boots, sort of thing. It is um, you go from working all the, all the time to one goal to then yep. waking up thinking. Even in this time now, I mean, with uh, there's no races for probably four or five months, which is a long off season for everyone. Mm-hmm. And now, just like I don't really want to train because I don't need to train because um, it's so far away still. Right. And then you end up thinking, well, what am I doing? Sort of thing. I can't sit about. <laughs> I can't do it. I've got an e-bike now, so I'm e-biking a bit. Oh, that's sort of my new hobby. I, uh, I'm an I'm e-bike con- guy. I love yeah, e-bikes. Yeah, I've heard. Um, and then I've heard some of the things about e-bikes. But, yeah, I'm converted now. I didn't have one. And then two weeks ago, uh, a few of the people I cycle with, uh, they've got them now. Yeah. So I thought, I'm going to go get one. So I got one, and um, I love it. Yeah, I see uh, it's a lot more fun. I'm, uh, I'm up to like 100 miles a week, like regularly. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I'm just – Yeah. I love I it. I can see how you get into it. Yeah. Right? The only problem here is so wet. It's almost like going motocrossing. You True. Jet wash it off, wash your gear. Yep. It's a big old job. <laughs> you sort of go out for two. It's like an act to cut the bars clean and after and sort of taking the edge off it a bit now. Well, we haven't had rain here in Vegas for about uh, f- six months, so I'm fine here. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, could, you're right there. I could see the UK being an issue for sure. Honestly, it's so muddy on the mountain bikes. It's full jet wash um, yep. every time. Jet wash the clothes. Jet really? Wash the huh? clothes. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, okay. All right. Because it's all in the woods. It's just like... Right. Swamp, but that makes that's what makes the e-bike better because I yep obviously you ride one but I never and then it's you go through the mud real good on them yeah yeah for sure flies, well, flies through it you why don't you come back to America when you're done and just uh, train Dean just you and Dean you can just train. yeah I would like to I'm gonna come out there and hang out with him and see him um, well I just need to want I want to I don't just want to stop traveling sort of thing I like going away and doing trips I need to get out there and yeah. he was just saying yesterday he's like oh I love California in um in the winter yeah. It's that much nicer, and I always used to go in the winter. I used to love doing it all through up until about 2015. I think I went to California from 2006 to 2015. Did you really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you were out here that much. Yeah, okay. Yeah, always only for like five weeks. Yeah, yep. Um, Jamie used to, I went with Jamie Dobb the first time, and then I just sort of had a routine. I'd go, um, the first of January and I'd come back for the preseason races. Right, right. Yeah. Well, now that, what, I absolutely love it, yeah. Especially back then when the GPs didn't start in February like they do now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you can't do it now. I know. You can't. You can sort of put a stop to that. Yeah. Um, I, remember, I remember Paul Lynn raced the whole West Series, you know, one year. Yeah. You know? That was the year I was racing. He, um, right. Yeah, he'd done the West Coast. Yeah, you could totally do it and then go back and ride the GPs, you know, and then still. Yeah, I think he'd done them all till they'd done the break. Right, right. Um, yeah, you can't do none of that anymore. No. So, um, no. Well, uh, thank you for the time, Tommy. Really appreciate it. And uh, and I'm sure I'll see you soon around the races. Thanks again, man. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the